0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. 32 years after they were brutally murdered, Tanya Van Kylenborg and Jay Cook's killer has been convicted. The young Victoria couple murdered on a trip to Washington state, and the killer likely thought he got away with it. But Ramina Dea explains the evidence that led to the guilty verdict and has reaction from the victims families who waited so long for justice.
1: We the jury
2: find the defendant William Earl Talbot II guilty of the crime of first-degree
3: murder as charged in court. I, I didn't do it, whispers the accused who appears stunned at the guilty verdict. We the jury have you can the feel John Van Kylenborg's relief now that his sister's killer is going to jail. The jury deliberating for two and a half days before finding 56-year-old William Earl Talbot II guilty of first-degree murder in the 1987 cold case of a young BC couple, 18-year-old Tanya Van Kylenborg and her boyfriend, 20-year-old Jay Cook. It
4: feels great to have some answers. As we all know from the trial, we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot more than we had for 31 years, so it's definitely great steps forward here.
3: After three decades of dead ends, Talbot was charged with the murders last year after American authorities used genetic genealogy to identify Talbot as the person who left his DNA at several crime scenes. It
5: is so meaningful to be able to stand here and to provide them some measure of justice for the unspeakable acts that were done to them so long ago.
3: Almost 32 years ago, Van Kylenborg and Cook left Saanich, bound for Seattle on an overnight trip. The couple vanished. A week later, Van Kylenborg's body found in a ditch, raped and shot in the head. Two days later, Cook's body found dumped near a bridge, beaten and strangled. Blood, semen, a palm print. The suspect's DNA was always there, but no matches in police databases. No progress until a genealogist recently used GEDmatch, a public DNA database, to find two distant cousins, which led police to Talbot.
6: This would not have been solved had it not been for the DNA evidence
3: defense did not dispute the evidence that Talbot's DNA was found at several crime scenes and his semen was discovered on Van Kylenborg's pants. But counsel argued there could have been consensual sex. The evidence does not prove rape or murder. Romina Day at Global News.
0: Victoria police say the fire that gutted the old Plaza Hotel last month was an act of arson. The blaze destroyed the property on Pandora Street back on May 6th. Police say the building's caretaker, Mike Drager, is still missing. There was no trace of him in the debris. So if you have any information about the fire or about Drager's potential whereabouts, Victoria Police would like you to contact them or you can call Crime Stoppers. Long weekend travel is always a grind, and that's especially true for anyone heading out of the Horseshoe Bay Ferry Terminal. Here's a look from our chopper at the volume A little more hectic than usual because BC Ferries has had to pull one of its vessels out of service, and that's been causing some delays. Our Catherine Urquhart is there for us tonight. Catherine, some unfortunate timing on the Friday of a very busy long weekend, and employees say they're feeling the heat.
7: That's right, Chris. Well, long delays can be upsetting for people, especially if they have plans. And tonight, the union that represents ferry workers says that long delays can also contribute to the abuse of ferry workers. They say it's a real problem, and they've had enough. At Horseshoe Bay, long weekend waits. Making it worse, the Queen of Coquitlam is out of service urgent repairs needed to the sealing mechanism around its propeller blades. At least 25 sailings cancelled for routes to and from the Sunshine Coast.
8: We're going for a wedding, uh,
9: but now we found out we have to wait more. It's kind of usual, VC Ferries is always really backed up, especially on busy weekends.
5: I mean, ferries break down, what, what do you do?
7: Extensive waits and the resulting frustration are known to lead to some ugly behavior directed at ferry workers.
4: She is literally in tears telling us, please, it's not her fault.
7: 82% of ferry workers surveyed report suffering abuse at work. According to the B.C. Ferry and Marine Workers Union, it has just launched a public information campaign. Part of it includes this video. Wait, what do you
8: mean I'm not getting on this ferry? Who do you think you are? I hope your mother gets cancer. I think uh, BC Ferries is, is, is more concerned about the experience and the uh, branding of BC Ferries opposed to the workers' safety.
7: BC Ferries says it has zero tolerance for abuse of its employees, but refused to answer questions on camera about that or abusive customers.
4: Are you getting frustrated? Customers out there? Have you already
7: heard that? Um, you know what? That's something I, I can't answer. Back at Horseshoe Bay, motorists continue to wait. Most resigned to the delays. No obvious signs of frustration so far. The delays here tonight at Horseshoe Bay, one sailing at most, according to the BC Ferries website. So, not too bad when you consider that it's a long weekend and one ferry is at a commission. Chris?
0: Let's hope everybody gets where they need to go. Thanks very much. Catherine Ricard in Horseshoe Bay for us tonight. A Surrey man who's part of a campaign to keep the RCMP in Surrey is accusing the city of denying his civil rights. As Joe Bennett explains, officials have turned down his application to set up a booth at the city's official Canada Day celebration, where his group wants to gather signatures for their petition. Well, this is the petition form that we've we've got here.
10: Ivan Scott has gathered about 4,000 signatures so far, all from people like him who want to keep the RCMP in Surrey.
11: It's annoying to me that we've got this police force that is one of the top three in the world, And uh, we want to kick them out and and replace them with something that uh, I think it's an amateur group. You will be
10: seeing your own Surrey police force. The mayor doesn't see it that way. He's been working to replace the RCMP with a civic force since his first day back in office. There have also been a number of public information sessions on the plan. Ivan Scott has attended them all with his counter message. He was hoping to set up a table with his petition at Surrey's Canada Day celebrations on Monday, but he was told he's not allowed. I was indignant because it's a day that we celebrate,
11: and we celebrate our our freedoms and rights of, of doing that sort of thing. And this is why Canada exists.
10: In a statement, the general manager of parks says the city of Surrey takes pride in our Canada Day event, creating an environment where families and children of all ages and cultures can enjoy great activities and entertainment for free. The city goes on to say it doesn't allow any booths at the Canada Day celebrations with political messaging or the canvassing of attendees. There is a spot on the sidewalk behind me where people can set up throughout the day with those intentions, However, as you can see, it's quite a distance from the event itself.
11: It's definitely not a protest. We're just uh, very peacefully accumulating signatures of, of concerns residents.
10: Scott says he and other volunteers might attend the Canada Day event anyway, blending into the crowd with the petition in case anyone wants to sign it. Jill Bennett, Global News.
0: An Alberta judge has reserved his decision on B.C.'s challenge of that province's controversial turn-off-the-taps legislation. Lawyers representing the B.C. government claim Bill 12, which allows Alberta's government to cut off oil and gas exports to other provinces, is unconstitutional. It's an unprecedented case, and the lawyers for Alberta have argued B.C. does not have standing to make its application in Alberta courts. We were asking the court for essentially an
8: injunction against uh, Bill 12 that Alberta has passed. Because the matter's in front of the court, uh, I can't really comment on it. It's up to the court uh, what they make of our arguments. But it is obviously a matter of concern to to all British Columbians uh, that uh, that this unconstitutional
0: initiative by Alberta uh, not be allowed to proceed. Before deferring his decision, the judge in the case noted the law is in danger of being used before he issues a ruling. The next court date, though, has not been set. B.C. Premier John Horgan is back on Vancouver Island after his high-profile meeting with Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. And although there were smiles and handshakes, the tension between provinces is affecting tourism. As Richard Zussman tells us, the pipeline fight is keeping some Albertans from visiting B.C. They've long been an Okanagan staple, visitors from Alberta. With an ongoing
5: feud over oil, the relationship between B.C. and Alberta is now under a microscope. Some Albertans say they still plan on heading west.
12: We have camping booked in B.C., so we'll still go.
7: I'll still go to B.C. I think I'll still go
10: to enjoy the mountains and stuff.
5: But others are talking with their wallets. In Summerland, this winery counts on Albertans for a quarter of their annual business. Last year... A big hit.
7: It was significantly obvious in the wine shop where you see them coming in the door. Saskatchewan folks, local Americans from the eastern Canada, they were there. Albertans were not.
5: BC Premier John Horgan meeting face-to-face this week with Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. It's the first time the two have met, and tension has been high over the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, but Horgan is downplaying the political feud as a reason tourists are staying away. People make choices for a variety of reasons. Uh, we've had a, a serious challenge to our tourism economy over the past two summers because of wildfires. But Alberta's premier isn't so sure. Increasingly Albertans have the sense it doesn't matter where we turn, we're being blocked in and pinned down. Kenny has never told Albertans to stay away from British Columbia, but says he could if he believes B.C. is obstructing the pipeline.
0: The B.C. government
1: does anything to obstruct uh, this approved, court-approved, government-approved, regulatory-approved uh, project. If they, if they try to obstruct it, there will be reprisals.
5: British Columbia's gas price is also a factor. Kelowna's mayor downplaying any impact from the political spat. Uh, I do believe that um, Albertans uh, will still come and visit our community and that won't um, necessarily make their decisions on where to visit based on politics. While Kelowna's mayor puts on a happy face, this may become an issue too serious to ignore. Richard Zussman, Global News, Edmonton.
0: Buyers, sellers, and realtors have all been impacted by Metro Vancouver's cooling real estate market. But that's not all. In the final installment of our Gimme Shelter series, Sarah McDonald looks at the trickle-down effect of lagging sales and stalled projects on many other sectors, too.
6: At the height of the Lower Mainland's housing market frenzy two years ago, Meredith Chapman and his colleagues in the moving industry could barely catch their breath.
13: It was insane. We didn't have a day off for pretty much, I think we worked uh, 364 days that year.
6: Now business is slowing right in step with the market. And with lingering listings and slowing sales, some businesses that profited at the height of the market are now feeling and seeing the impact in their bottom lines.
5: And so there's a knock-on effect of every time you build a new house, you're employing a contractor, a plumber, an electrician. Then, you know, somebody moves in, they buy brand new furniture.
6: That economic trickle-down effect, tangible though manageable for established companies like Chapman's, but potentially devastating for others.
13: I've noticed that a lot of my colleagues are uh, really hurting for work these days. It just seems that the slowdown is really
4: starting to hurt their uh, bottom line you with that door or what?
6: On the flip side, the Wise Brothers and their family-run contracting company are seeing an increase in business.
4: More people are starting to lean towards renovations, I'd say, because of the slight downturn in the market with sales and stuff.
6: Clients who might have sold, profited, and upgraded in years past opting to renovate instead in the current climate.
5: The stipulations and taxes that they put in since, I guess, the last two years now, yeah, have certainly slowed down that market and now it's kind of becoming normal again.
6: The province says the capital infrastructure projects and the jobs are still there.
1: If you just look at the lower mainland alone, Patello Bridge uh, is going to be a huge project where we're going to need construction workers. Right now companies are telling us that they can't find enough workers.
6: Though with starts on major projects stalling, the concern is they may not be for much longer.
0: The projects that we already have in the pipeline are proceeding, but some of the ones I've talked to at this point in time have said they're going to put the brakes on from there.
6: The impact of which would be felt not only by those in need of housing.
5: For the last 10 years, I was always planning to buy a house and it ended up being a townhouse. But eventually, you know, we're going to have to upgrade to a house, which is now a million dollars even new in New Westminster.
0: So, and that's a fixer-upper
6: but by those building livelihoods, by building shelter. Sarah McDonald, Global News.
0: Right now, though, the days may still be numbered for a brightly painted bench down at Kitts Beach, but there's a chance that the colorful memorial could make way for similar projects in the future. As John Waugh reports, one of the park board commissioners is so moved, she's now floating the idea of a bench mural program.
13: Colin, Deborah, and Mark. Just some of the names of people placed on Vancouver park benches by loved ones who vow to remember. Yet some feel something else has been forgotten.
3: To me, they look old and worn out.
13: They should be maintained and stuff. Like,
3: I would have hoped that there would have been at least some like varnish or something on it. It looked not very cheerful, to say the least.
13: <laughs> For Colin McKay's partner, seeing these dedicated benches looking so derelict was just too much to bear.
6: It just felt like... No one cared, and I care deeply. So I really, excuse me. I really wanted to. I really wanted the bench to to be a reflection of the man that he was. When
13: Julia Goodkova, an artist, painted the bench, the Vancouver Park Board first called it vandalism and said it would be removed. Now one commissioner says she'll put forward a motion seeking compassion instead.
6: We're people and we care about people, so I think that's always your first thought. Then we do have rules and regulations. Right now, there are
13: 1,173 active dedicated benches in the city of Vancouver. With a price tag of $5,500 to have a plaque on a bench for 10 years, that adds up to a total of nearly 6.5 million dollars.
12: If I had just spent $5,500 and I came and saw this bench right now with the bird poop on it and looking weathered, I'd probably be pretty disappointed.
13: (laughs) The park board says that money is being put to good use. There's the cost of the bench. There's the
6: cost of the staff time. We certainly do monitor the benches. They get power washed uh, on an annual basis.
13: For now, this bench will be left alone. A memorial will be held here on July 2nd, The place where loved ones come to speak to their beloved Colin McKay now sparking a much larger conversation in the community.
0: John Hua, Global News. Fisheries officials are still trying to figure out how much damage a rock slide on the Fraser River has done to BC's critical salmon run. There's no doubt the river has a brand new waterfall. And as Linda Aylesworth tells us, experts are hoping to determine whether that's a minor problem or a major disaster for returning fish.
2: When a rock slide of this magnitude happens on one of the world's greatest salmon spawning rivers, turning lazy waters into raging torrents, it's cause for concern.
9: My first reaction was, how bad is it? And is it going to block fish passage to the rest of the Fraser River?
2: That's the question on a lot of people's minds right now, because the majority of salmon on the Fraser River spawn above the slide site, just north of Lillooet.
9: So this is affecting several different salmon species with multiple populations that are listed as threatened and endangered, and that includes steelhead chinook, sockeye, and coho.
13: They're used to dealing with obstacles. They're amazing migrators, but we just don't know in this situation what it looks like and how they're going to cope.
2: If they can't get past, the crowding that would occur at the base of the slide would cause yet another problem.
13: Delaying below a barrier under high temperatures just makes it more stressful for these fish and, and it really reduces their their lifespan.
2: Federal and provincial governments are working in concert to assess the situation and come up with solutions.
8: And we have ruled nothing off the table. We're bringing in experts uh, from various parts of of North America to help us look at what the options are.
2: Time is of the essence. As we speak, Chinook salmon are arriving at the site and sockeye. About half the river's total population are a couple of weeks away.
9: It is going to be a very difficult job and it has to happen incredibly fast because it's blocking salmon migration right now and we still have the majority of the migration season ahead of us. We would like to find a way
8: to allow these fish to pass um, and uh, we haven't come to a determination as to whether that's going to be possible or not but we are working on it very actively.
2: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
0: Meantime, the federal fisheries ministry is responding to criticism that it's lost control of salmon farms and requirements to control sea lice. Back in May, we reported that critics had found evidence of major infections of lice in juvenile salmon in many B.C. farms and that farms hadn't taken action demanded by fisheries to address the problem. Well, today, the DFO announced changes to take effect early next year that will strengthen license requirements for fish farms and bolster the DFO's enforcement tools to deal with farms that don't comply. A bridge with a deadly history in Genoa, Italy reaches the end of its road in spectacular fashion. A controlled implosion brings down the remaining spans and pillars of the crossing that collapsed last year, killing 43 people. 3,400 people were evacuated from their houses until the air quality is assessed post-explosion. A legal battle still rages over whether maintenance caused the deadly collapse. A new bridge is already under construction. The G20 summit continues in Japan, where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is hoping to turn up the pressure on China over a growing diplomatic and trade dispute. With no formal meeting planned, Trudeau engaged briefly today on the sidelines of the summit with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Canadian officials will only say the chat was brief, but it was constructive. Ottawa and Beijing have been at odds for months over the arrest of Chinese tech executive Meng Wanzhou in Vancouver and China's detention of two Canadians on spying charges. A half-century ago this summer, this was one of the most recognized rooms in the world. NASA today unveiling a fully restored mission control used for the Apollo 11 moon landing just ahead of the 50th anniversary next month. Thanks to mostly private donations, it's been meticulously recreated right down to the tan carpeting and grey-green control panels. It opens to the public on Monday. Some historical perspective, the Apollo guidance computer that was responsible for safely landing the lunar module on the moon had just a fraction of the computing power of today's smartphones. In health matters tonight, the recent spike in measles cases has prompted the provincial government to make some changes that affect BC parents. As Nadia Stewart reports, at the start of the next school year, you'll be required to state whether your child has been immunized or not.
1: As of May 6, there were 29 confirmed cases of measles in BC, prompting calls for change, particularly when it comes to school aged kids and vaccinations
8: starting this school year parents and guardians will be expected to provide the immunization status of their children to their local public health unit
1: the ministry of health says the measles immunization catch-up program launched earlier this year has seen thousands of records reviewed and over 33,000 kids immunized under the new rules announced friday parents won't be penalized if there are gaps in their child's vaccination records but they will be notified
8: This is a registration system. We believe the best way to raise immunization rates is what we've successfully done in the last three months, which is to immunize. People will not be excluded from school.
1: There you go. The Maple Ridge mom behind an online campaign calling on government to beef up immunization requirements welcomes the announcement.
10: It's a good step in the right direction. Um, I'm not sure it's still strong enough um, because it doesn't seem like there's been any consequences if you
1: don't do so. Which, Glenn points out, is the case in other provinces. Still, she says the new rules just make sense. I don't understand
10: exposing your children to just preventable diseases based on myths and, and untruths.
1: But one parents' advocacy group is raising questions about what this latest change could eventually lead to. The government's campaign of Uh,
10: Education and outreach to parents has been uh, effective and it will continue to be effective.
1: So why do these new rules and and what's the consequence? Health Minister Adrian Diggs says for the first year, the focus will be on updating records and keeping parents informed. He did not rule out more changes in the future. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
0: And coincidentally today, health officials issued another measles alert connected to a Canadian traveller returning from abroad. The alert concerns a traveler from the Philippines to Winnipeg on June 24th. Officials say he flew to Vancouver on Philippine Air Flight 116 from Manila. He passed through the Vancouver International Airport customs and baggage areas between 5.15 and 7 p.m. and then flew to Winnipeg on WestJet Flight 458. Anyone who thinks they might have been exposed should see their doctor. This weekend, a huge load of garbage sent back to Canada from the Philippines will arrive on B.C. shores. Aaron MacArthur reports on when the waste will get
4: here and what they're going to do with it. Instead of unloading widgets, this weekend, the cranes at Delta Port will be lifting used diapers and assorted other generic household trash. The containers of Canadian garbage will unceremoniously slink back into the country to finally be disposed of. The garbage... 103 containers mislabeled as recycling started in Canada six years ago and was shipped from Vancouver to Manila. The sea cans festered on the docks at Subic Bay for years while the Philippine government complained loudly about the mess we dumped on them. Finally, President Rodrigo Duterte threatened Canada going so far as to pull diplomats back home over the issue. 69 containers were finally loaded up and returned to sender. Once the containers are offloaded, they will be taken to the Waste-to-Energy facility in Burnaby. Much of the material may actually be recyclable in BC, but it will be incinerated out of fears of contamination. It will be manually opened and inspected before it is torched at 1200 degrees, generating electricity for the grid.
1: We were approached by the federal government as it's coming into the port here, and so Metro Vancouver was approached and asked if we would be able to provide a disposal solution for them.
4: The issue of Canada sending its trash overseas has been contentious for years. Now, with a focus on this round of repatriated garbage, environmental groups want the government to finally take it seriously and adopt a robust plan to deal with waste domestically.
10: It it never should have left and it's a stark illustration of Canada's problem at dealing with plastic waste. We create too much. We don't know what to do
4: with it. As Canada gets set to celebrate its 152nd birthday, workers in Burnaby will be finally dealing with a small part of one of this country's dirty little secrets. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Pretty cool shot of a swimmer
0: off the California coast, but the drone saw something the swimmer didn't, and it'll put a chill down your spine. That's coming up right after weather. As we approach the Canada day-long weekend, let's check in with Yvonne Schell and see if the sunshine is going to stick around. Yvonne?
12: Yeah, some nice improvement is on the way, especially for the latter half of the long weekend, if you've got plans to be outside in any of the Canada Day celebrations, and I'll have more in just a moment. We've been underneath cloud cover today. We've seen a few heavier pockets or isolated showers, even early this morning. We will still see a chance of showers this evening, so we're not in the clear just yet. Temperatures are sitting at 18 degrees. We've got a southwesterly wind out of the airport at 13 kilometers per hour. 18 was the high today in Victoria, into the low 20s for much of the interior We've been tracking active weather still this evening. The northeastern corners today getting up to 21 degrees. Now, we do have cloud cover right across the south coast. It will still be a chance of showers, but the action and activity is really across the central and southern half. Where we're still seeing the risk of a thunderstorm. The severe thunderstorm watch has now ended across the southern interior, the central half, and the piece. But we're still going to see a few thunderstorms early this evening before it does really start to ease off. Now, the moisture for tomorrow is going to pick up once again the Interior, we'll see that chance of showers. It's really the central half tomorrow that we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms. And then a nice break right across the province will be on Sunday, Monday. It's all courtesy of a ridge of high pressure that is going to build in. Sunday, Monday, sunny and dry and warming up once again. A bit of a blip at the forecast is going to push in on our Tuesday. An update on the fire danger rating with the rainfall that we've seen, the central and southern half, a few spots now sitting at low to very low. Coastal sections tomorrow, it'll be a chance of showers. Inland is where we'll see the risk of a thunderstorm. It'll be similar for the central interior tomorrow. The Columbia and Kootenai is where we're seeing the action. It'll pick up for the afternoon. And much of the tops in Okanagan will be a chance of showers tomorrow and a few breaks in the cloud cover. We are going to see cloud cover for the morning hours, and then it will break up by the afternoon. And for Canada Day on our Monday, so far sunny with the high of 24 degrees, very pleasant leading into the long weekend. It's Tuesday that we're seeing cloud cover. Temperatures over the weekend once again into the low 20s for most areas if you're closer to the water. Tonight's weather window, a great shot that was sent in from Tina in Chilliwack. Chris?
0: All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Beautiful shot. All right, another example of how ignorance can be bliss, captured by a drone off the coast of California. At first, it just looks like a swimmer getting some exercise in near Santa Cruz County. But as the drone gets closer, and maybe now you have the theme from Jaws playing in your head, it spots the shadow of a shark within striking distance. Thankfully, there's a happy ending, the shark just minding its own business and never really approached the swimmer. The drone's owner says he later told the swimmer about the shark and reminded him about the shark warning signs that were posted on the beach. That's right. He went for a swim out there, even with shark warning signs on the beach, as you do in California, I guess, from time to time. It's a good thing the shark had just eaten.
12: <laughs> it wasn't I hungry. It so.
11: wasn't hungry anymore. The previous guy who went out swimming. Not so lucky. <laughs> oh, well, they haven't found him yet. NHL goalies can be quirky. But they, they also need short memories. They need they? very short memories. They need amnesia. You're right. They really do. Um, of all the games that the Canucks played last season, if you went back and watched them, the one that might be the toughest to watch is February 11th, home game against San Jose. That's when injuries forced the Canucks to use junior goaltender Mike DiPietro, the kid who was Canada's goalie at the World Juniors, which, of course, were also held at Rogers Arena. Di Pietro is considered a serious NHL prospect, but here is hoping that his next NHL game is nothing like his first.
4: Still in skates, Ben Hutton trying to free it up now, Couture centers, quick shot, they score!
11: Mikey DiPietro wants
8: to make sure the next time he dons a Canucks uniform that he's 100% ready to take on the challenge. DiPietro was forced into his first NHL start last February due to sudden injuries to Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko. The then 19-year-old got ventilated for seven goals. Not exactly the debut a young Canadian kid dreams about in the NHL. It's
9: crazy to say, but I'm kind of happy at the way it happened. It's something that I can learn from, and um, you know, just to make sure that you're fully ready and make sure all areas of my game can really, you know, progress in the right direction. DiPietro,
8: who's now 20, just finished a very successful junior career. He was a perfect 13-0 in the playoffs this past spring with the Ottawa 67s until an ankle injury ended his season. He was also excellent for Canada at the World Juniors in Vancouver despite a crushing loss to the Finns in the quarterfinals.
9: Despite all that success the jump to the professional ranks is a big one. There's certain things I could get away with in junior, certain habits that unfortunately won't I won't get away with at the next level, but that's going to come with uh, with experience and learning, so uh, I'm excited for that opportunity.
8: This week at Canucks Development Camp, Di Pietro got some key one-on-one time with Canucks goalie coach Ian Clark. Di Pietro is small by NHL standards, just six feet tall, so it's crucial... He enters the pros as technically sound as possible. Something his goalie coach is emphasizing with feeling.
9: He's a guy that uh, you know will tell you like it is, and he won't be uh, you know sugarcoating anything. Which uh, at first kind of was you know, eye opener, but it's really beneficial for me. And uh, you know he's been a great resource, and so has Klutz and uh, you know Curtis Sanford. So they've been great with me and my development.
8: Every goalie finds their own path to the NHL. Just by listening to DiPietro, you know he's got the maturity and awareness already. And to keep that focus, he has dropped his Instagram and Twitter accounts,
9: which for a 20 year old is a life altering move. Uh, You know, I think it's a mature step for myself to take. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to, but it's something that uh, I decided to do and it's really paying off for myself.
11: Okay, NHL free agency starts on Canada Day. The Canucks have. About $15.5 million right now to spend, but remember, some of that has to go to Brock Besser for his new contract, and some others need to get paid as well. So I'm guessing at the moment they probably have less than $10 million to spend on free agents, although they can make other roster moves over the summer to get extra money to spend and get underneath the salary cap. Today the Golden Knights sent defenseman Colin Miller to Buffalo for a couple of draft picks, second and a fifth rounder. Vegas needs to shed salary. They're right up against the cap. And Washington, also a team that needs to shed salary, sent left winger Andre Burakovsky to Colorado for prospect forward Scott Kozmachuk and two draft picks, a second and a third. Okay, the two favorites in the Women's World Cup met in the quarterfinals. It was just kind of a weird quirk of the schedule. The U.S. and France and that's Megan Rapinoe. I don't know how she snuck this through, so let's take another look. Right between the legs though, of number six of France. Just found its way to the back of the net. One nothing for the Americans, and Rapinoe would score again. This time Tobin Heath with the run across. Rapinoe, no one is covering her. That's easy. Two nothing for the US. She's had a great tournament so far. So is this lady, Wendy Renard, the tallest player in the tournament, around 6-2, heads that in to make it 2-1. France would have another free kick shortly after that, but they couldn't convert. The Americans win. They've been to the semifinals at least in every Women's World Cup they'll take on England in the semifinals. CFL tonight, the Ticats, who had that huge win against Toronto last week, putting up 64 points on the Argos. Love the game. Look at that. Looking pretty strong against Montreal. That's bad tackling. Brandon Banks with the TD there. Last check, it's 26-10 in the fourth for the Ticats over the Alouettes. Tomorrow, the Lions are in Calgary. The uh, Stamps are 10.5-point favorites. Whitecaps are down in Seattle for a game against the Sounders.
0: <laughs> Discussing the joys and right. pleasures of Marmite.
11: Well, we get, we're going to get into that more <laughs> in a moment because there's a commercial I want to show you about that. But first... At the Chicago Cubs games, they sing in the seventh-inning stretch, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, and they like to have famous people go up and sing, and the whole crowd sings with them. Well, this past week, Cookie Monster (laughs) from Sesame Street was the one who sang, and we thought we had to show you. Here we go. (laughs) Mr. Snuffleupagus should be there <laughs> I don't know if he'd get in the booth though Okay, so you said you've tasted Marmite
0: I have, yeah And it tastes like? It's like a, it turns a piece of toast into a roast beef sandwich is, So it's a salty, beefy a, flavor Salty, beefy flavor Some people
11: love it, some people hate it There doesn't seem to be any in between So this is the premise of this commercial for Marmite Which basically it's a gene You know, you, Like when you spit on something and try to find out where you're from uh, It's the same idea yeah. Anyways,
0: DNA, you know, yeah. genealogy Yeah, that's
11: it Yes! They're here! This should be interesting.
6: Please find and close the results of your family's recent Marmite gene tests.
1: These show whether you were born a lover or a hater. What does it say? You're a hater. Dad. Yeah.
2: I, um, I need to tell you something. I, uh, I'm a Marmite lover.
13: I thought you said I hated it, and this says I love it. What kind of mother does something like that? But baby,
6: I. Oh my goodness, I am so stupid. I prefer jam. I'm carrying
3: a hater's baby. It's I should is really in My childhood. Oh sweetheart. Come
6: here. You didn't care. Oh, we just want you to be happy with who you are.
3: Have you ever
2: done it here? in this house
6: yes <laughs> i only did it to make you happy do i look happy on this table yes
1: oh, baby please I... I don't hate mom i, I hate you <sighs> i can
0: learn i can learn look
9: <laughs> get in all lovers oh, anyway. i
6: hate it i hate it
9: He's never even tried it. Now
0: you've got to try it if <laughs> yeah. you never have. Did you like it the first time out? I did the first time. I was actually introduced to it by, my in- by Jane and, and uh, her parents. Okay. all right, Love it.
11: Okay. So these last two are kind of old favorites. Uh, I've shown them before. One is from Geico, which features Foghorn Leghorn. Right. He doesn't love him. And the other is um, Android, putting animals you wouldn't think would it be hanging out together. Hanging out together.
0: Switching to Geico, really save you 15% or more on car insurance? <laughs> Would Foghorn Leghorn make a really bad book narrator? It was the best of times, it was the w- I say worst of times. And by worst, I'm talking as bad, I say as bad as my Aunt Jenny's corn pudding. That stuff will sink you like a stone.
1: Okay, that was you a little... You
0: getting all this in there, son? I just added that last part, it's called ad Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was, I say it was... The Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Oh.
8: Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest Laughing back and forth at what the other has to say Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time Oodle lolly, oodle golly, what a day Never ever thinking there was danger in the water They were drinking, they just guzzled it down Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse Was watching them and gathering around Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest Jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away Contemplating nothing but escape and finally making it Oodle-lolly, oodle-lolly, golly, what a day Oodle-lolly,
11: oodle-lolly, golly, what a day (laughs) Tigers and bears! Oh my, actually it's lions the orangutan, come on. I know, the orangutan knows how to put an ending on a commercial. So, uh, uh, right? That thing knows what right. it's doing. Yep. That was good.
0: Okay, uh, Canada Day on Monday. It's going to be a good weekend.
12: Yeah, looking like. very good. Tomorrow we've got a few clouds in the mix, uh, but on Monday for Canada Day it's going to be sunny, dry, get out and enjoy it, and temperatures will get up to around 24 degrees.
0: Very nice. Enjoy it. Canada Day Citizenship Ceremony on Monday morning down at jackpool Plaza slash Convention Centre. Hope to see you there.